Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 579 of the Church Shop Podcast. Uh, we're back again uh, for another week. It's myself and my good friend and co-host and producer, Mr. Paul Griffin. I mean, of all those titles, good friend is the most important one. That's still oh, warms the old little heart when I hear one, that. Um, you can't see this, uh, listeners, but Paul is clean-shaven today. I'm totally... Very unusual. I'm completely clean shaved. Like, it looks like he's just come from one of those old-fashioned Italian 1930s barber shops with a yeah. cut, cutthroat razor and a hot towel, where you get assassinated by a rival, you know, mobster if you're not careful. <laughs> um, but yeah, he looks um, 14, young, young. Are you gonna say? I was gonna say yeah, 14. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm going to on, on my holidays, right? In two days. To a very hot Italy. And I figured to get the best tan coverage. <laughs> I probably, I, I I have a memory that this has happened before. Maybe it's a false memory. Mm. But I have a memory of going on holiday with a big beard. Getting, you know, tan and Mato's brother and all that. Coming home, shaving the beard and then having the like white ghostness of the right. where as previously because the sun hadn't properly tanned it so i'm getting the haircut tomorrow as well nice tight haircut no beard get the full tan and it all by the time next time we speak it'll all be grown back anyways yeah he's already got the little thong to wear as well the tiny little borat man mankini right the green one the inner arse cheeks tanned Yeah, yeah very important you know of course of course you want to look your best um, yes, we are back. We're not joined by Mr. Barry Murphy, who you may have seen has uh, moved house finally this week. He now lives in, I don't know, different part of Limerick, I suppose. Yeah. I actually don't know that he lives in Limerick. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, he hasn't told us. Maybe he's moved to uh, an Irish place. I know. Mayo. Shannon. Um, no, there's no county. Shannon is the river. I thought, what's the Shannon? Isn't there an airport? Shannon. There's airport. an airport, I think, named after the river. Yeah. Oh, that's confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose there's no Gatwick in London, really. But yeah, or, or it, yeah, if if you lived in Thames, uh, yeah, Cork, Thames. you could live in Cork, Cork Kerry, uh, Galway, yeah. uh, Kilkenny, Sligo, Sligo. That's one. Uh, Leash. Yeah, lots of places. They got lots of places yeah. over there. Um, <laughs> they, they have quite digits. a few of them. Some of them, which we don't actually have, and you guys still have, technically. Oh, we well, can have them back. Go on. <laughs> it was up to me. Um, so anyway, yeah, Barry's not here. He's going to a lovely new home. And of course, he's got to get his little recording studio up and running. Uh, probably yeah. get the broadband installed and all of that. So he'll be back. He'll be back in the coming weeks. He's um, actually on, on suspension because he did put his hand on my face. <laughs> and we couldn't have that. Paul said Barry looked fat, and then <laughs> Barry slapped him backstage. So he's on a two-week suspension. Um, naughty man. Um, <laughs> he will be back, but for now, we're going to be discussing. Yeah, we don't know when he'll sure. be back. Actually, we don't know. It's he's, it's kind of an MJF situation. Like he's yeah, gone, but we we assume he'll be back. He's <laughs> under contract for at least a year. He slapped me and called me an AW card mark. Fire me, fire me. He wants to go. Basically, he wants to take over uh, from William R. Washington on the yeah. Fightful podcast. And we said, look, you got a year on contract. That's a long time. 
But he's, yeah. you know, if he doesn't want to, if he wants to take his ball and go home, that's yeah. up to Barry Murphy. And we 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 did offer, right? We were going to increase his pay from nothing to slightly more than nothing, right? Mm. Uh, but we weren't going to increase the length of the contract, and he, he wasn't happy yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know. He, he, I don't know how long moving house takes. So he, he could be, he's on indefinite leave. Indefinite. But I'm also going to be away next weekend, so there'll be no podcast next week. Just FYI for everybody. No podcast next weekend. So I'm going to be in Italy. I'm not bringing the laptop and the mic no. and the camera and the mouse and the headphones. Gee, I think I'm. I'm supposed to be. Award- oh no! Wait, I'll be back. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, I'm supposed to be going to Budapest in a couple of weeks on a work oh trip. Right. Um, That's the capital of Hungary. I don't really want to go. It's a pain in the ass, but um, yeah, I've already booked it. But yeah, um, so I no, but I'll be back on the Sunday anyway, so that's fine. But anyway, we're here. We're here to talk all of the guffs, the life guff, music guff, yes, TV guff, mm-hmm. movie guff, yeah, wrestling guff. Very much so. That's it. Um, so let's jump straight in, Paul. What have you been yeah. up to this week? What's going on? What's going on now? Lots of interesting stories this week. Bloody hell. Um. We won't spend too much time on it, but a good week in the footy. Turned it around. Turned mm. it around. A couple of victories. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. Very, I must say, the biggest disappointment of the weekend, though, was Liverpool getting to 9-0 with 10 minutes left in the game and not getting a 10th goal. Oh, no, I, did, I, was, I didn't want that. Because I, <laughs> one of my the most memorable games for me ever was Manchester United 9, Ipswich 0. Yeah. I still remember every single goal. Andy Cole um, sticking in five. Yeah, Roy Keane scored the opener. Cole scored two. Then Hughes scored. Then Cole got the hat trick. Then another for Hughes. Then Paulin scored the eighth, and oh, Andy Cole scored the seventh. Paulin scored the eighth. Paulin, Andy Cole scored the ninth. Graham Pohl was the referee. <laughs> I oh, watched dear. the match of the day recording of it. So many. I still have it at my mum's house. I okay. watched it so many times. I even remember. That it was uh, the referee is Graham Pohl of Tilehurst. So there you go. <laughs> so anyway, that is to say that I don't want ever want any team to beat the nine nil because to me that's just like a sacred scoreline. It's interesting because there was there was one nine nil in the first twenty five years of the Premier League. I would yeah. say at a time where there was a, the biggest difference between the top teams and and the worst teams. And now that the teams are theoretically closer than ever with you know even Nottingham Forest going out and spending hundreds of millions of pounds we've had three nine nils in the Premier League mm. in the last five years mm. and then two this weekend one in the Premier League and one in the the SPL as Celtic won nine nil against Dundee as well that's weird isn't it I wonder if it's a tactical thing just um win nine nil <laughs> the way the way teams play if they get beaten they get really beaten kind of thing but yeah, well, Bournemouth have lost their last three games with an aggregate score of 16-0. Which is... Uh, I think they might go down. Can't wait to play them, let me tell you. That's my prediction. Um, but yes, uh, in the week... So, firstly, I was in a shopping center Ooh. today in Golden Discs, which is... I don't think you guys have Golden Discs uh, across the way. Uh-huh. Um, once HMV in Ireland went kaput, and I know you guys still have, we don't have a HMV mm. anymore. Uh, Golden Discs, which is an, an, an Irish um, brand, I guess, kind of stepped up as the country's premier physical media 
uh, establishment. But they're all quite small shops. You don't have a big golden discs. Mm. They're all like single unit um, shops. Um, but I, I've always enjoyed going in, poking my head in, look at some Blu-rays, some 4K Blu-rays now that I can get those. Um, there's an even better place in, in Dublin called Tower Records. That's where you really want to go mm. for your 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 more even more obscure like world cinema stuff. They they have much better selection. They've been around for a very long time. But I was in Golden Discs today. I like how where this you guys don't know where the story is going, but I like how I'm getting into like you know the more obscure uh, world cinema. You want if you want some Kurosawa, and I'm not, I'm not saying you do. But you're going to hit Tower Records, not Golden Discs. If you want Marvel films on 4K, Golden Discs is your friend. But anyway, we were in Golden Discs today. And looking at the Blu-rays and the 4K Blu-rays. And actually, first I looked at the 4K Blu-rays. And I said, I look at the Blu-rays, the normal ones, after I've perused the 4K. Because if, if I see something 4K... I might be interested. I might pick that up. And in that case, I won't get any Blu-rays. And there were a few. I did. I ended up not buying anything. But there were a few little... Ooh, maybe... I think it was like two for 35 as well, which for 4K is, is pretty okay. A few movies I've not seen that I really considered going in for that two for 35 deal. They had a Full Metal Jacket, which I've never seen. Mm-hmm. Kubrick, of course. They had The Goonies, which I've never seen. So I did consider getting those, and then separately, I don't think it was part of the deal, but one that I would like to have on 4K, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh. I think that would be a good 4K to have, eh? Anyway, let's stop dragging the story out. I am... You're in golden discs. Looking at the 4K looking Blu-rays. The 4Ks. There is a man standing next to us who's looking at the Blu-rays, right? Looks like... It looks like one of the characters you might have seen in a South Park episode where it's like making fun of people who just sit at the computer playing Warcraft all day, right? I don't have any proof, Joe. So don't ask me to provide my findings. But I'm 99% sure uh, that he had shit himself in the (laughs) shop. I was going to ask, did he stink? Yeah, yeah. We, Imagine that was a, that was... But wasn't it, I, I have to? I have to. This is my only my only reasoning for this. Right? Is yes to answer your question. He he stank, but it wasn't a fart smell. I would liken it to. Do you know when people have their their hand in a baby around? Oh, the baby! Oh, did you do your dunk dunk in your in your nappy? Oh, it was like the that smell. It was like a baby shit smell. Christ. And it and it didn't go away, Joe. It was oh. it, it lingered, and I I instead of going to the Blu-rays, I scarpered out of there. I was with my my brother, and I when he got out, I said, "I think that guy shit himself." Oh no! <laughs> properly, properly shit himself. I'm I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Um, but he didn't look like he cared was, much. About do you think it was while he was in the shop? I don't know. Maybe because you know what if. If you shit yourself at the shopping centre or on the high yeah. street, wherever it was, just do you do you sit? Well, I've still got a popping golden discs on the way home, so yeah. And look, at, I don't want to go straight home because I came out yeah. to have a look at the the latest sort of manga, you know, releases and the 
yeah, you know, yeah. And, uh, the, the Rick and Morty merchandise and that kind of thing. And you know, never judge a book by the cover, Joe. And as as Roald Dahl said, you know, you know, if you have nice thoughts and you're a nice person, you'll you can never be ugly. You 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 know you the what does it say? Sunshines and sunbeams will come out, and you'll always look lovely. Um. But he, this lad looked like the kind of person who would shit himself in golden discs. Yeah. I gotta say it. I gotta say. It. Yeah. Yeah, and I noticed there was a, a pungence in the air. And then I kind of, you know, I was looking at the films and I kind of went went away. And as I came back, the 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 intensity of the smell hadn't diminished at all. So I don't either. Okay, I, I'm willing to consider all possibilities. Either he had shit himself. Mm which I'm leaning towards, to be honest. Or he was like topping up with little... Oh. Uh, he, he noticed he was starting to go down. Oh, better better uh, pu- pump out a little bit more. Keep that. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to say, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't a farty ambience. It was something different. It was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. Wow. But he seemed totally nonchalant about it. Well, he's used to it. He's pretty, I mean, guess so. I mean, I don't know how long it had been there. Maybe that might have been the previous day. Maybe it's his aftershave or something. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I, I maybe get it was like a Nathan, a Nathan for you, like aftershave that smells like. Yeah, food. maybe I was on a candid camera or something. But yeah, in a year it would be me going. I think that fella shit himself. <laughs> but I'm, I'm nearly certain he did. Anyway, oh, se- second story of the week is as you know, I'm using the old online dating apps, right? Oh, here we go. And I've talked about this before. This is just to get myself out in the world, talking to people again. Women, specifically. Um, And I have on my profile, this clever Joe, right? I have on my profile that one of my interests is going out and trying new burger places. Oh, okay. Because it's partially true, but also it's like a gateway to, oh, that's an activity that we can possibly do. Yeah, if, you li- yeah, yeah. if you like going to burger places as well, I like going to burger places, let's go to burger places. Right? So I matched with this girl. And she was nice uh, looking. Oh, yeah. I don't know if she was nice. She might have been a murderer. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we'll, get to, we'll get to the whether she was nice or not in a second. But she, to all appearances, lovely girl. I don't remember the name, to be honest. But um, lovely girl. And <laughs> matches with me with a message, right? right. She says, well, what's, wh- how's your how's your uh, going to the burger places going? Have you found any, you know, what's the best place you've been to? Little. Nothing small talk, but I appreciate, you know, oh, let's, let's get this conversation going. And I said, well, I think Bunsen, which we've th- we've talked about Bunsen, obviously, on this podcast quite a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Bunsen is probably the best place I've been. And she replies with, and tell me if I'm wrong here, right? She replies to me with, well, that's not very creative. I th- it's like a commonly held opinion that Bunsen's the best. And I'm like, I'm not here to be have my burger opinions gatekept, okay? <laughs> So, immediately unmatched. Like, oh. <laughs> immediately unmatched. Oh, God. It's like saying, oh, what's the best film of all time? Probably The Godfather. Bit obvious, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. No, but if, this. if you were on a dating app, yeah, right, where presumably the the goal, the the common goal is to form some kind of uh, connections with people, right? Let's say I I'm into films. Obviously, I met someone. Hey, what's your favorite film? The Godfather. I probably wouldn't go. Mm, bit of a bit of a common response. Eh? I would probably say, oh, that is quite a good film. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I like it too. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I kind of wonder is she maybe she couldn't believe her luck that she'd finally found someone else who was interested in burger places, and so she was really expecting that you're going to come up with something Some like obscure fucking, guff. oh this little burger stand in in on the outskirts of yeah. no one's ever you know they're only there once a week and they, you know once it's gone it's gone and, and i do have those but those aren't my favorite and yeah. that's what she asked me Bunsen's the best so yeah. the best that's like that's a commonly held opinion uh probably because a lot of people think it's the best that's probably right yeah I, to be honest when you started or when i saw the the note i thought it was going to be you doing the gatekeeping. No, I thought you they were going to be like, oh, I'm like McDonald's or Supermax yeah. or something. No, no, no. To be fair, if I had answered with McDonald's and yeah. they said, well, that's, that's I'd probably understand. Yeah. But imagine if McDonald's was your favorite burger place and then you put, I like seeking out new burger places. <laughs> <laughs> like McDonald's. Yeah. What I mean is different McDonald's. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't know. I just found that weirdly. Yeah, it's very. It's a bit judgy. Like, yeah, that's not very creative. Oh, sorry. What I meant to say was, uh, some made-up answer to impress this person. I don't know. I don't know you. I just answered your question. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Gone forever. Um. Uh, and as I said, I'm going on my holidays in two days, so I'm getting nice. everything ready. I'm not working tomorrow. I've taken the full. Even though I'm only on holidays Tuesday to Tuesday, taking the two weeks off work. Nice. And uh, so I, I have tomorrow to like pack my bags and get everything ready. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice. I haven't, I've only taken uh, four days off work this calendar year. Oof. So I'm due a little a little two-week break, which will take me up to and past my birthday as well. So I'm very much looking forward to enjoying a little time off to uh go on holidays come back and just oh do nothing watch the movies and just that. chill chill out Sounds just good. chill um so you're yeah, going to italy to a, a, a town in italy i've been quite a few times called via reggio which mm. is on the uh the west coast of italy near pisa um so yeah so we go and i have i bought some books to read i have the uh the two richard osman books the one that i had previously that i never finished i'm going to f- read that on the beach and then i bought the sequel to that book as well so i'll bring both of those with me and i also bought on audible.co.uk brian gewertz's book oh so i'm gonna give that a, uh, is that a new is that a new one or is that that's a new release it just came out all right yeah 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 so i got the audiobook version of that so i'll listen to that maybe on the plane over and as i walk up and down the beach yeah cool 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 um and then lastly uh i guess my last update for the you know now that barry's not here we can talk about AEW mm. cards and not with no, with no shame with no shame um i've been selling some cards on uh what you can do with the e-packs. Remember I was talking that I've been buying a few e-packs. Mm. What you can do with your doubles there. Because I've been having a lot of trouble, to be honest, shifting my physical doubles. I've been trying to sell them on eBay. No one's Maybe. fucking interested. I've sold like mm. two cards. for. I sold two cards for a euro each. 
Shit. Two of the roads to success ones. Um, but no one wants them. No one wants them. So what you can do on um, it's a uh, on the on the upper deck e pack thing is you can transfer them to a website called checkoutmycards.com. Right. And you can sell them through that. Uh, and I've made forty one dollars in sales so far. Wow. Um selling and I, let me tell you, Joe, those uh, any MJF cards you have, I sold uh three MJF cards at five dollars seventy each. Jeez. Pyro MJF, I think it was. So they, you can get some, uh, get some good money on there, um, and and so I'm using some of that money to buy some cards that I hadn't packed before. So I've I have in my little my little um, shipment here uh, a QT Marshall autograph and a Joey Janela autograph, which were relatively cheap. So nice using using those doubles to kind of cash out and and pick up some other cards that maybe I wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. Um, and yeah, so I'm just waiting now. As I said, I, I've stopped buying the cards uh, a while ago. Um, ready now for the new ones, which of course will be coming in in uh, what the end of September? Is that the uh, yes, the it's 22nd or something like that? I think so I'm looking forward to being able to get my hands on some of those and open them up because that's the one thing you, oh. you don't get, obviously, with the e packs. As nice as it is to get some of the cards I've got through the, the pack. We, we talked about in the past, the, the Kenny Omega, like autograph and stuff like that, but to open in your hands, a pack and like, that's, that's mm. half of the enjoyment at the end of the Absolutely. day. Absolutely. And also through the pack, it takes like two months for them to ship out your cards. I only got last week, mm. my first card from the pack. I st- yeah, I still haven't got the, um, the couple that I bought the Claudio and there was another one. I think it was a Jade Cargill. They've yeah. never become available for shipping, so I'm yeah. still. But even the ones that are available for shipping take like two months yeah. to be shipped out. So. Yeah, it take a long time. Take a long time, boo boo. Um, and that's basically it for me. What about yeah, yourself? It's it's been quite a busy week, quite a tiring week, but not nothing yeah. too sort of noticeable. We do have a bank holiday here. So uh, I'm off. We're off tomorrow. So that's been nice. And we booked Friday off. So we've had a four day weekend. Which oh, very nice. nice. It always feels like a, um, when you haven't had any days off in a good sort of five or six weeks or even longer. And then yeah. you do have that one day off. It's like, what? The weekend's only half over <laughs> and it's Sunday. I love What's that. What's going on? Yeah. So that's, that's been, that's been good. So yeah, we went out for a, for a little walk today. I actually went to the, uh, Crystal Palace Sports Arena um, oh. in South London, which is a fairly notable arena. It's been around for a long time, about 50 years. It's not far from us. And it's mm. actually the venue that's going to be hosting uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Royal Quest 2 um, next month. Well, actually, first of October, I think it is. Right. Um, so I, of course, went to the original Royal Quest, which was... 2019, I think, just before the pandemic. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, which was a really, really good show. Um, really enjoyed it. That was at the Copper Box Arena, which is on the um, Olympic Park in London. Um, and then I saw they announced Royal Quest 2, and I was like, eh, I'm not that hot on New Japan at the moment. Not sure if I'll go. Then when I saw the venue, and I was like, it's literally down the road. I'm like... <laughs> 
okay, right. I'm going to go. I can walk there. You know what I mean? Like, I can't not go to it. And also, right. you know, we don't get a lot of big events in South London. It tends to be more in, in the city or in, in North London because uh, we don't have that many venues apart from the O2. <clears throat> so I said, sod it, I'll get the tickets. And they've had two nights as well. So I did go for the, the cheapest ticket for each night. Yeah. And I'm going to pop along and see that. Um, nice. So that, that'll be fun. Um, they did announce FTR are going to be there to do, defend Ooh, the tag titles. The so I thought, well, okay, actually, um, being able to see them in, in what's probably been their best year uh, in wrestling so far, that's um, that'd be good. And yeah. hopefully a few other surprises, Osprey and Okada, etc. So, yeah, looking forward to that in uh, in about a month's time. Very nice. And, uh, yeah, that's the old uh, Laffy Goof. Um, do you have a bit of music you want to tell us about, Paul? I do. Um, so I listened to the new Kasabian album. I don't know if you listen to much Kasabian yourself, Joe. Only the one song everyone knows. <laughs> oh, Fire or no, Clubfoot? Clubfoot. Yeah, Clubfoot. Clubfoot. The, the Pro Evolution Soccer <laughs> 5 theme song. Um, yeah, so what I think of Kasabian, I think of kind of oasis Fucking swagger, fucking yeah. lads. Du, 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 hey. bru, du, 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 oosh. Bru, du, all that, right? But like when I think of certainly the early Kasabian is very riffy. Uh very, very kind of um rhythmy, but uh, but but focused around guitar riffs. And I've always liked I, I, I like a lot of Kasabian's early stuff up to uh fire whatever the, mm. the name of that album was, West Rider Pauper Lunatic Asylum, with what a, what a terrible name for an album that is. Um, and now, in the last few years, Kasabian have been through some personnel changes. The The previous singer was um, revealed to have been a, a, a domestic oh, abuser yes. and was given the old uh, boot up the arse out of the band, mm. and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And so guitarist uh, Serge has taken up the uh the mantle of being the front man which he kind of was anyway to an extent uh but they have a new album out and uh again picture in your mind's eye that liam gallagher-esque fucking paul weller kind of fucking you have a nap you have a nap fucker <laughs> that kind of that, that was always the energy statement their new album is called the alchemist's euphoria again maybe one of the worst album titles ever heard sounds like a kind of name of a, a real ale sort of uh, ipa beer yeah that you get in one in a very sort of sort of pub where they pay, play dungeons and dragons yeah yeah i can i i definitely can see that oh pint of alchemist euphoria for me please go yeah on. and without even talking about the music like the track listing first of all it's one of those albums um, i have it on spotify open in front of me all the track names are in all caps and mm. Uh, they're spelled funny. So like scripture, S-C-R-I-P-T-V-R-E. Or alligator, A-L-Y-G-A-T-Y-R. Oh dear. So. Um, so Kasabian are now, they, they've done that thing that a lot of bands are, are doing recently where they've seen the success of Imagine Dragons. And they've said, well, we need to get a little bit more electro-y in our music because that's what's popular now and so there's very little in the way of what you might think of 
as as that classic Kasabian sound, that club foot sound. It's almost unrecognizable on this album. Uh, they've 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 got so far away from what kind of made them in the first place, uh, and now they sound altogether more generic and uh, and forgettable. Unfortunately, I mean, I think the album itself is fine. Uh, there are some good tracks on there. There is one called uh, "Strictly Old School," which ironically is the closest you'll get to the maybe not ironically, maybe appropriately. Mm-hmm. The closer you get to that old Kasabian sound. But while there are some tracks on there, and I will list the good ones, uh, Scripture, Strictly Old School, and School, Joe, spelt with a K. Of course. Baby, uh, Alligator and Chemicals. I think those are the four kind of standout tracks on it. It's just kind of a little bit forgettable and a little bit bland, mm. and it, it, it lacks, you know, and, and, and the classic Kasabian sound. Not that bands should never develop their sound or or change it up but you know when when you're selling a specific element as as a band i think even with little changes you make here and there you have to keep the core (laughs) values of the sound somewhat Mm. you know consistent and uh, kasabian i don't i don't think have done that here really um you know you you go for uh uh listen to a metallica album you expect there's going to be some some chuggy, downstroked guitar riffs, you know. And while Metallica over the years have changed their sound, there's always that you know consistent. I don't know why I'm choosing using Metallica as a comparison mm. for Xavier, but you know, there's, there always has to be some level of consistency while while things change. Here, it's it, you could have put this on for me without telling me what band it was, and I would have said, I don't know, some elements of it. I'd be like, could. Ed Sheeran, <laughs> I don't know, um, but yeah, I mean, it was fine. Um, I don't know that there's much on it to recommend, or even who you might recommend it to, because I don't think it's necessarily a, a classic Kasabian fans album. But then I don't know who would be interested in kind of what this is now. Um, kind of a half and half between um, what Kasabian used to be and something, not even something like Daft Punk, but something that is. First of all, way overproduced with like samples and sound effects. Mm. Um, I don't know, like parts of it, it almost sounds like a Skrillex album. It's it's that overproduced, you know. God, uh, vocal effects all over, so you, you can barely hear what the singer actually sounds like. And I'm not saying auto tune. I'm saying it's just they've put it into uh, Pro Tools and mm. went into the the list of you know inputs on like vocal effects and literally ticked every box. <laughs> and it's like, well, this just sounds like nothing now. It's just you you've taken all the paints and you've mixed them all together and now you just have brown. I feel like there's an element of that to this album. So yeah. So it was fine. Would I recommend it? Mm-hmm. Not really. Mm-hmm. Not, re- not really. Uh, so that is Kasabian, the Alchemist's Euphoria. My God, what were they smoking when they came up with that name? Mm, pint of alchemist euphoria, please, barkeep. Yeah, ooh. In my silver tankard. <laughs> uh, yes, my lady. Well, uh, talk about a bit of telly then, I suppose. Um, so I sat down last night, and I was on Nathan for You season two, episode three, and I put it on, and it was very good. It was very funny, and when it ended, I it, it, the Amazon uh, Prime just automatically started playing the next one. And I was 
too lazy to pick up the remote and turn it off. I said, okay, we'll just, we'll just watch another one. Uh, and I ended up finishing the whole season in one sitting. Mm. Um, some very good stuff on there. You had, um, and then also, you know, with this kind of show, there's obviously some stuff that didn't quite land as well. Yeah. You had the uh, the ad for the pet store on the huge uh, cemetery tombstone. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. funny. The maid service that speeds up the service by having 40 maids work at once, <laughs> which which I think was a funnier idea than it was in actual. Yeah. It actually just kind of like worked and there wasn't really any funniness to it, but like it, it was fine. Um, really good one here. Letting miners buy alcohol from a liquor store with the the under the pretense that they actually can't take it home. They can only pick it up once they reach legal drinking age. And and the little the, the kids in the store arguing with the guy going, Well, but I want the alcohol now was very funny. <laughs> uh dumb Starbucks, which I don't know the dumb Starbucks was the funniest um thing they've ever done, but obviously it's kind of the um the trademark thing yeah. of the series now is a dumb Starbucks because it was obviously it, it blew up. Which is very clever. Uh, the daddy's watching. I thought it was great. The dating website where they have a, a, a basically a bodyguard watch over. And what was great in that episode is they had the the girl who was looking for the date, and uh, they're they're so concerned about the the guy, and he comes in and Nathan's grilling him all these questions. Say, hey, help mm. me with this box. You're not carrying any weapons, are you? And then they go on the date to this bowling alley, and she's talking about 9-11 conspiracy theories oh and and uh, mass shooting conspiracy theories and all this. <laughs> so somebody needs to be watching her, never mind watching him. Um, what else was good? Uh, oh, the um, the restaurant where you can skip the queue if you are if you have like a doctor's appointment and there's the one guy who skips it and they bring him out on a boat to grill him and have him oh, complain. Yeah. Very funny. Very, very yeah. good. Uh, and then finally, um, I think one of the better ones as well was the uh, the guy who ma- makes toys and makes the ball that it just looks like a little ball with trumpet bits sticking out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the whole marketing idea behind that from Nathan is, well, if you don't have this ball, you must be a baby. And they have they bring in the the guy who played Santa Claus from the season one, mm. and they have kids sitting on his lap. He's telling them that they're babies if they don't have this ball. Very funny. So yeah, quite enjoyed season two of Nathan very for you. Made my way through it in two sittings, which is quite good. Very very funny show. Yeah. So I've only got I'm halfway through it now. I've only got seasons three and four left, and there was a special. I don't know if that special is actually on Amazon Prime. I assume it probably will be, but I, I did check that out. Uh, no Arsenal documentary this week since that, that ended up last week. That was very good. Uh, again, Joe, if you've never got a chance to check it out, I'd, I definitely recommend it. It was good fun. Um, there was new Beavers and Butthead, however, which was back to form after a couple of shaky weeks. It was very funny. Um, we got a glimpse into Beavers and Butthead of the future, which... Uh, that segment was simply called Old Beavis and Butthead. I thought that was very good. Uh, and now that Nathan for You Season 2 is done, I'm watching uh, Adventure Time, and I'm on Season 8 of Adventure Time. So I'm just going to close that off. Adventure Time is nice and easy because the episodes are only 10 minutes long, so you can get through it pretty quick. Nice. Um, 
and there's the bit I'm watching now is a mini series within the series called Islands, which is eight episodes long. So I'm I'm definitely um, enjoying that. But all that Adventure Time does is remind me that I need to sit down and watch Gravity Falls again. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, ooh, baby, I know we all enjoy Gravity Falls in this show. Um, yeah. Because obviously, you know, having watched Gravity Falls when it first aired. I would like to revisit it and watch it with a bit of momentum behind it. Because you might remember, Joe, that when mm. Gravity Falls was first on, you would uh, you get an episode, and then you wouldn't get another episode for four months. <laughs> mm. Like, there was only two seasons of Gravity Falls, but it aired over the course of, like, three and a half years, I think. It was very sporadic. Very sporadic. But, um... Speaking of uh, Gravity Falls, I watched... Um... Uh, a video of the uh, ra- Mr. Rate My Takeaway, the uh, YouTuber okay. who rates yeah. takeaways. He's a guy from Yorkshire um, who started rating takeaways during the uh, pandemic. <clears throat> he's currently doing a, a sort of American tour. So he's taken his little chair and table over to the US and has been reviewing US restaurants. And he actually met up with uh, former Simpsons writer Josh Weinstein, okay. um, who apparently had become a big fan of his online. And yeah, he interviewed him. I didn't realize he also, Josh Weinstein, then also worked on Futurama and uh, Disenchanted and also worked on Gravity Falls as well. So I didn't realize that. So yeah, that was was a lot of fun to uh, see them two together. Very random celebrity pairing. (laughs) Which is cool. Yeah. No, I do love uh, basically all those shows that you mentioned, except uh, Disenchanted, which I watched two seasons of and I was... I figured at the end of it, oh, that's probably enough for that now. Yeah, I don't think I last watched the last season or two they put out. Uh, but yeah, Adventure Time is still good, albeit a bit. You know, you can get through. It. There's not much to it. It's just a quick little, quick little fix of a uh, cartoon goodness. Wow. Um, so on the on the old telly front, speaking of uh, football documentaries, started watching the new. I can't remember what it's called, but the the documentary about Wrexham. Is it just Welcome to Wrexham? It's something like that. It's not a great name, whatever it was. I think they could come up with something better. But yeah, the, the Wrexham documentary um, about the uh, the purchase of Wrexham Football Club by Ryan Reynolds and I'm going to I'm gonna guess his name's Rob McLevenny or something like that. Yeah. It's probably McLean, close enough, isn't McLean, it? McLean, yeah, yeah McLevenny. That's what I call him. Um, who is, of course, from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Ryle Reynolds from everything else, Deadpool mainly. <laughs> Free guy. Uh, adverts, you know, does a lot of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Van Wilder, if you remember that one back <laughs> Yeah, I saw Van Wilder. Also, he was in Blade Trinity. Uh, he was with Triple H. Yeah, Triple H, Ryan Reynolds, Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Look forward to the them all appearing I, in the I new I think Blade. that's where Ryan Reynolds says, uh, cock-juggling thundercunt. I think oh, that's what that movie. Oh yeah, dear, oh dear. So yeah, so the, the documentary is about them essentially deciding they should buy Wrexham Football Club. And you do get the notion that they kind of just did it so they could do a documentary um, rather okay. than because they wanted to buy a club. Because right. very much the documentary is well, well underway when they're still just discussing buying mm. the club. Right. Um, and they're not, they weren't, it's weirdly, they... Well, I don't want to spoil the documentary, but they're, they're not kind of friends in real life. They'd only knew each other through Twitter. And I think it was a case of uh, who's who's the richest actor I know that could afford to buy a football club. 
Right. Um, and they're and they're also yeah they're quite new to the game as well. They're not sort of long term football fans. They've kind of got into right. it in recent years. Not to say that they're not sort of heartfelt about it, but yeah, it's an interesting kind of take on on why they bought the club and why they chose Wrexham. It doesn't go too much into that, but yeah, it does very much very much have that kind of all or nothing vibe you know lots of behind the scenes sort of access to the players and the club and everything and always very interesting to see you know the the real side of players which you don't see in the media you know post-match right. interviews are just such a waste of fucking time but like i saw one earlier i think it was after the uh, west ham aston villa game and they were interviewing an aston villa player and saying oh you must be disappointed with that what went wrong and he just spoke for about two minutes and just said so absolutely nothing. Because what is he going to say that we're shit? Yeah, you, know? Well, you know, obviously uh, we're disappointed. Uh, the boys, you know, blah, just blah, 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 blah. keep working hard. But the, the fans were great, and you never get anything out of those. So it's always good to see the players in a kind of real context and a real environment. So that's fun. And you know, the two guys um, are really kind of interesting as well. You know, they are quite funny. Uh, and we do get to see their sort of inner lives as well. So, yeah, I watched the first two episodes and, and we really enjoyed it. It's, it's probably more a bit more like Sunderland till I die in terms right. of it being quite a small, smaller club um, and kind of seeing what it's like to be a footballer at that end of the, the spectrum where they're, you know, they're earning like 35000 a year. It's not 35000 a week. <laughs> like yeah. they they basically have a normal kind of salary and they're, they're playing sort of season to season. And really, kind of playing for their place, playing for their career. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely, if you're on the fence about checking that one out, I, would, I definitely would. I think it's it's pretty good. Look forward to seeing the rest. And the other big debut this week was, of course, the return to Westeros. Do they use that theme song or a, a, a different? Yeah. Number? No, they do a sort of variation on it for the okay. end credits. Right. The op- the opening credits, I couldn't really tell. It might it might have been just more of a cold open. Um, we'll see see next week. Um, yeah, and they have the same composer on it as well. So. Yeah. Um. So House of the Dragon, or House of the Dragons, or is it House of the Dragons? I think it's House um, of the Dragon. House of the Dragon. I've been calling it House of Dragons mainly, but whatever. Yeah, that is um, wrong. <laughs> House of the Dragon. It so is this of is the dragon, singular, yeah. Yes, the dragon. This is the prequel to, of course, Game of Thrones, set about 170 years before the events of Game of Thrones, uh, based on a kind of just spin-off companion book written by George R. R. Martin and a couple of um, big Game of Thrones of fans. Um, it's tells the kind of outline of the story of the Targaryen family from arriving, you know, in Westeros and conquering the seven kingdoms and uniting them and through to, you know, the modern day within the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's based on that, which wasn't, you know, like the very different from the actual novels, you know, it's not, it's not a novel. It's a kind of pseudo history book, but it takes that as a kind of jumping off point for the events. Um, and I know it's this has been it's been a very divisive prequel, I would say. I think following the um what should we call it? The complete shitting the bed um <laughs> that the that the final couple of seasons of, of Game of Thrones did. 
Yes. A lot of people have said, well, why, why go back to this? Why, you know, that was sucked. Why do we want to see more of this? Um, myself, however, I was really looking forward to it because I do, I do enjoy that world. I really did love that world of Game of Thrones, the kind of pseudo historical fantasy world. I, that I was very into that. And so I was very, very disappointed with the way it ended. Um, but I was kind of thinking, you know, if there is a really good show made in that world that's kind of well-crafted and well-told, then I would actually, I'd really be up for watching it. And I think the, the premiere did get a very, you know, high rating. It was like 10 million people tuning in. I doubt all of them will stick around, but it, it did has seemed to do very well so far. Um, and I have to say, watching it, at first I thought it's a bit kind of slower and a bit more contained than Game of Thrones. And there's also no kind of obvious protagonists or, or you know, real underdog characters in, in the way that you had all of the Stark children and you had Tyrion and to a degree Daenerys as well. There's no character like that in it. Having and I thought that was going to be a big weakness, and I was kind of thinking, oh, what, you know, why did they focus on this? It's going to be boring. I have to say, by the end of the episode, they did, they did draw me in. Okay. I did actually really enjoy it. Um, I do, uh, it, it, in a weird way, it is a lot less kind of obvious than Game of Thrones uh, for all those reasons I, you know, I just mentioned. Because um, as much as Game of Thrones kind of was subversive of your typical fantasy. It also had all those elements I mentioned. You know, it did have the kind of underdog, like the the, the secret prince in Jon Snow, who we're all rooting for, and we know he's the tr- the one true king. The kind of um, you know King Arthur sort of story that was all there. Whereas I feel like this show it, it doesn't have that. It is a lot more kind of nuanced, and I think that's probably going to turn some people off who just want to you know. St- stand the Stark family or the Targaryens yeah. or whatever, you know, I think that would turn some people off, but I actually think it's probably going to be a bit more of an interesting show than Game of Thrones. Right. right, right. Um, and we'll probably get more into kind of themes and the violence and the history and, and things like that. So yeah, really, really enjoyed the first episode and, and look forward to the rest of the series. Um, hopefully it kind of just comes out of the shadow of Game of Thrones and, and stands in its own right. I don't think it will be the same kind of blockbuster as that, but I think it will be a really kind of solid show. Mm. So yeah, House of the Dragon actually pretty good. Okay, there's no um, there's no there's no Peter Dinklage in it talking about my my big cock. I'm a dwarf, but I've got a big cock. No, unfortunately, no dwarves at all. Okay, um, which is disappointing so far. And, and I mean, because Game of Thrones uh, got to the point where it was encompassing so many characters and i mean i one comparison that i made was that if it got to the point where it felt a bit like eastenders where you had yeah two minutes with these characters two minutes with these then we're all across the sea to these characters that because it's a bit more contained does it not spend so much time hopping from area to area in that way yeah there's no hot it's all set in king's landing okay. centered on the royal family um, so really the royal family and the small council, that's that's, that's it. at least what episode one kind of centers around. Yeah, it, it doesn't, I don't think it leaves King's Landing at all, um, which is kind of interesting as well. And I wonder if that also opens up a bit more budget and that's why they've got so many dragons in the show because they're not there because they don't have like eight different locations. Yeah, different sets. They've yeah. got more money to actually spend on, um, uh, on the CGI of the dragons and of making the battles really good and that kind of thing. So mm. yeah, I'm, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic based on the, on the first episode. So 
Very good. Uh, yeah, glad to glad to have that kind of show back. And that's what I've been uh, watching this week. Okay, movies, so, Paul. Now I I want to say right away that I see Joe that you've watched a movie that I'm a very big fan of. Oh, I really? bloody loved when I watched it. Ooh. Really, really loved it. So I'm very interested to see your opinion on 20th century women. Yeah, so th- we did watch that last night. Um, kind of randomly just going through, I think it was on Now TV, um, looking for something to watch, and I stopped on that. And I think it's something Michelle Edward wanted to watch. Yeah. I had never... Uh, I'd never really heard anything about it, to be honest. I, like, I do sometimes like watching a film where you know nothing, where you just go, here's a very basic premise. Here's some of the actors that are in it that I've heard of. Yeah, watch Greta it. Gerwig is in it, isn't she? Yeah, Gre- Greta Gerwig, Annette Bening, uh, Elle Fanning. Elle Fanning? Elle Fanning, not Elephanting. Elephantastic. Elephantastic. Billy Crudup. Yeah, so it's it's... I think a very, from what I've kind of gleaned, a very kind of autobiographical film set yeah. in the late seventies in Santa Barbara in California. Um, very much a kind of coming of age movie, both for the teenage son who's at the heart of it, but also for the for his mother, who's kind of an older mother and is going through that kind of life transition where you your kids are almost ready to move out and it's kind of like, well, what do I do with the, the yeah. final sort of third of my life? I don't know who, you know, who am I? What am I going to do? Um, at the same time, telling the story of the son's kind of right of passage, you know, growing into a man and not having a father figure and not having kind of an older brother to learn from this kind of thing. So also, as I mentioned, late seventies, is also a kind of transitional time for the U S as well, moving yes. from the, uh, I guess the kind of the doldrums of the seventies and the, the oil crisis and post Nixon and all of the scandal and the economic turmoil, um, a bit similar to what we're going through now. If any. Yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting parallels. There. Um, yeah. So a very, very much kind of transitional rites of passage movie. And I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the characters. Um, I thought they were all kind of well-drawn. They all had a, it's a quirkiness to them, but they had this, they had their quirks, but not in an annoying way. You know, they, oh, they had true. things that made them distinct as characters, but without being, Oh, look at me and being a bit quirky. You know, it was, it was, <laughs> yeah. you know, they felt real while still having enough that they, they stood out from your kind of generic movie character. So I appreciate that a lot. Uh, and I really like the kind of relationships between the different, the different characters. It, Beyond the mother and the son, there's a there's a few other characters in it. There's two kind of um, younger women, and uh, the kind of uh, I think he was a neighbour. I'm not under, I can't really remember the yeah. Billy Crudup character, who's kind of within the in their orbit, and it, it it focuses enough on each of the characters to give you a real taste, but while mainly focusing on the the mother and the son, and so I kind of really appreciate that it fleshed them out, and then. Yeah. Was able to really kind of deliver on the relationships between you know each of the five main characters. Um, yeah, so I, I really liked it. I thought it, 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 the way it told the story was quite interesting. It, I think with those sort of autobiographical stories, they can get a bit bogged down 
in the or feel a little bit self-indulgent you know when someone's sort of telling their own story and you and you can really feel that it's just them telling the story of their family or of their mum or whatever it's like yeah you know yes we want to know about that that's interesting but we're watching a movie you know we want to see <laughs> yeah we want to see a fiction a fictionalized version and made kind of interesting and and you know multicolored technicolored uh, i think it does that in the way it tells the story and sets it within the broader you know changing the country as well yeah. so yeah 20th century women very 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 good and i believe there's another film he did uh director's mike mills yeah come on come on uh, beginners oh no i was still got the the one before oh, yeah. this okay. yeah which i haven't seen which i think we will watch but that was uh ewan mcgregor uh christopher Plummer. yeah um which is yeah but i think more focus on his father rather than his mother so yeah. if you do get a chance to watch come on come on as well i would highly recommend it I yeah, really enjoyed that too. We'll, we'll that was Joaquin Phoenix. Well. Yeah. So um yeah, only new film I've watched, but a very, very good one. Yeah. I, I, I watched Twentieth Century Women because it was Oscar nominated mm. uh that year. I don't know if I would have otherwise sought it out because to your point, it's not a film that you hear often come up in conversation. Mm. Uh, but I was surprised when I watched it that it oh the only nomination it got was for um original screenplay. Because uh, I think there there are uh, a decent number of performances in it that I thought were worthy of nomination mm. uh, as well. Yeah. Wasn't to be, but yeah, I I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. That was my that was my first Mike Mills film I saw, and then, and then I saw Come On, Come On. I haven't seen any of his earlier ones, but I think I think both the ones that I've seen I gave uh, a nine on Letterbox. So that's definitely uh, wow. a director to keep uh, his name in uh, in mind. Um, I watched a very different kind of film <laughs> than that. Um, I watched on Blu-ray, have it here, uh, Mother, which is uh, a- another Bong Joon-ho film. And as I always say, we all love a bit of Bong, since we uh, we were all three of us big, big Parasite fans. Yep. So this is my penultimate Bong film to watch. I still have to watch Okja, the uh, the Netflix exclusive about a big pig. But uh, once I see that, I will have seen them all. So let me just give you the the back of the case um, description of Mother here. In a quiet rural village in South Korea, a lonely single mother looks after her mentally handicapped son while mm. scraping a living as an acupuncturist. But her simple poverty-stricken life is suddenly transformed into a dark web of death and deceit when her young son is arrested for the brutal murder of a local schoolgirl. Convinced that her son has been framed and faced with a corrupt, complacent police force, she decides to solve the case herself and prove his innocence. It's a quest for justice that leads her into a horrifying world of violence and despair. But how far is she willing to go to uncover the truth? (gasps) So yeah, it's another Bong Joon Ho murder mystery. Nice. Um, and I think there's it does share certain similarities with uh, the much m- better <laughs> <laughs> uh, memories of murder, which I still think is probably I would have in his top three, along with Snowpiercer and um, Parasite, of course. Um, one thing that it does. Similar to uh, to murder, uh, memories of murder, is um, 
at the beginning, it's like weirdly slapstick and weirdly comical to a point. And that's something that I guess that this director does a lot. It's not, I don't think it's necessarily the case of Parasite. I mean, Parasite is funny, mm-hmm. but it, it's never goofy. It's never silly, you know? Uh, whereas I think some of his earlier movies are a little bit a little bit too silly. Now, like Memories of Murder, and again, not quite as good as that, but it does still, in the second half, certainly, turn it around and, and become very tense and very... Uh, like I said, when I when I talked about Memories of Murder, sometimes there'd be a scene going on, and you're like, oh, I haven't breathed for two minutes. Maybe I should get a little uh, intake. But um, yeah, very good ending as well. Gets wrapped up in a very satisfying way. But um, yeah, I would have it in kind of the middle tier as far as this director's films go. Um, I would even say it might it might be one just for a completionist. Mm-hmm. Like I did enjoy, I think I gave an eight on Letterboxd. I was kind of feeling more seven, but then I thought the ending was very strong. So I did bump it up to an eight. But I would say if you're looking to get into Bong Joon-ho or Korean films in general, you're better off starting with uh, with your Parasite, with your um, Memories of Murder, and then maybe some other directors, Old Boy and things of that. The Handmaiden, stuff like that. But it was quite good. It was quite good, if not uh, if not top tier. Speak, speaking um, of uh, Murder Mystery, just before I forget, yes, because Michelle will mention it, but we did also wrap up murders in, Only Murders in the Building. Uh, yeah. series series two this week uh, which was very good very satisfying ending yeah and very very funny and i love the cast and i love i do need to check that out i know you've been big on that watch it you do you, you give it a recommendation yeah oh yeah absolutely it's it's, oh. it, it's similar to the kind of i mean not that i've read them but like what i imagine the kind of richard osman books are like okay kind of yeah, a, yeah. A, a cozy crime funny cozy crime. yeah that's kind of what he is. And okay. Steve Martin, Martin Shaw is still as funny as he's ever been. Like he's really good. Um, and the name of it is Only Murders in the Building. Only Murders in the Building. Okay. I've I've added it to my list. It also it's made f- me miss uh, seeing Tina Fey in stuff because she's very funny as well. Oh, I do like Tina Fey. How's she involved in it? Is she acting or is she involved in the creative? Yeah, no, she she plays a kind of supporting okay, okay. role in it. She's she's oh. very good. I do like that. I haven't seen Tina Fey in much since like 30 Rock. No, it's a shame. I wish she was in a... More stuff. I don't know. She, has she been kind of doing more more directing and writing? Maybe? I think so, yeah. I'd like to see her in a kind of... You know, if She's good. Role, She's really like good in front of camera. camera. Yeah. Like a, at least a sort of secondary role in a, in a show. Mm, yeah. She's Come very back, solid. That's a, that's a shame. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, the movie of the week. Mother... And 20th Century Women, which I think is is better than than Mother. Um, two games to talk about. Uh, so first of all, I'll run through these uh, quickly enough, Joe. Because I don't think you're ever in your life going to reach the point where you sit down to play Gears of War, uh, given that it's an Xbox exclusive. And that's a system you don't. But let me just explain to you quickly what Gears of War is. So Gears of War, which I think came out in 2006... Just look it up so I don't be telling people wrong information. Uh, yeah, November 2006. Um, is a, is a third-person action adventure 
typical of the uh, space marine genre, I would say. Ooh. Even though I think it's set on Earth, it's not in space. Um, you play as uh, the band Disturbed, or at least that's what the character models look like. Uh, chin strap beards galore and soul patches uh, and big muscly dudes. And what Gears of War was notable for was really, I don't think it necessarily uh, innovated it, but popularizing the uh, cover-based shooter. So compared to something like Doom, which I know is your your point of reference, Mm. Doom not being a game that I've played, but of what I've seen is very much like a run and gun, right? It's about being very active and killing all the enemies. Gears of War is much more about, okay, you get behind a bit of cover, and there's uh, swarms of enemies coming, and you're like peeping out, and and then getting back to cover, and not taking damage. Uh, which is a game mechanic that has since 2006 been taken and iterated on, and is basically a staple of most modern games where you are shooting first or third person. There's cover is is much more important now, mm. which is um, a shame because it does make Gears of War feel very old. Um, in the sense that it's kind of like, I guess, a worse version of something like Aliens, where you you watch Aliens and you say, well, this just kind of feels like everything else. But Aliens is obviously the thing that innovated that, and so you have to kind of respect that nevertheless. Also, I just think Aliens is a great movie anyway. But Gears of War, I think, is being like late 2006, I think it's not old enough yet that you can kind of allow its oldness as a kind of like considered a retro game in the same way that if I play Mario 64, uh, obviously Gears of War holds up a lot better than Mario 64 does. And yet Mario 64, I can appreciate that it's of its time. Whereas Gears of War still feels modern enough that I'll compare it to modern video games. So, uh, what I'm doing with Gears of War is I'm not playing it in single player. I'm playing it as an online co-op game mm. with uh, with my friend Sean, who also has an Xbox and also has Game Pass and also is playing Gears of War with me. And so what, what we do is we just bang on Discord, get on a call, and play an act of Gears of War because the game is segmented into five acts. And so we play one at a time. So we'll beat it in like five sessions. And it's 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 fun. You, you know, you're, you're, you're shooting big, ugly monsters with guns. One of the selling points of it as well is there's a machine gun that has a chainsaw on it. And if you get close enough to an enemy, you can melee chainsaw them to death rather than shooting them, which is quite fun. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a, it's it's kind of a game that I, I missed out on not playing at the time because at the time it was like a graphical marvel and was like really different and unique. And now playing it with 2022 eyes, it kind of loses a bit of its luster. But I, I, it's, still, it's still a fun play. And then the other game I'm playing is called Dead Cells, which is a roguelike, which for the uninitiated is a, uh, it's it's a kind of, I guess, Groundhog Day in video game form, in a sense, mm. right? So obviously you might say, well, well Paul, uh, uh, Super Mario World is that, whereas if you die, you go back to the beginning and da-da-da, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, so the thing with Dead Cells is you um, you are making your way through procedurally generated levels. So every time you play, the levels are different. Oh, okay. Right? okay. So it's, it, what, what you're doing is you, you progress as far into the game as you can. And when you get killed, you go back to the very beginning of the game 
not the beginning of the level, back to the very beginning. And so what you're doing is as, as you're progressing is you're learning enemy patterns, learning how not to take damage so easily and so on and so forth. Uh, but there is also, and I think Dead Cells is is more generous than some other roguelikes that I've, I've played in this regard. It is every run you make, you're collecting, you kill these enemies, you collect souls or you collect mm. you know, orbs and you can cash those in for upgrades. So let's say, again, to use Super Mario World as a point, let's say you could take two hits of damage in Super Mario World, but after a certain point where the game gets more difficult, you would unlock a potion where if you take one hit, you can reheal that hit anytime you want. Right? So Dead Cells has something like that, where once you collect a certain num- number of these things, and when you die, you lose all those. They reset. Mm. But there are checkpoints in the game where you can cash those in. So you can say, all right, I've collected to this point 13 of these items. I want to put them in the bank towards a second life potion. And when you die, it keeps that progress. So even though you're going back to the very beginning of the game, through every run, there's a certain element of you're you're getting to know the game world better, but also you're progressing to the point where you have better weapons, mm. better healing abilities, which allows you to get further and further into the game as well, of course. So it's kind of my really my first kind of dipping my toe into this kind of genre of game. I've always been a little bit turned off by the idea of your your progress being reset every time you die. I'm I'm very uh, traditionalist in that I want to get to level two and then I never play level one again, you know? Right, yeah. You know, you, you want to get through the game. Oh, maybe you get stuck on a level, but you just need to practice that level. You don't get kicked back to the beginning. So that, that always kind of turned me off. But I must say, I have been having a lot of fun with Dead Cells. Uh, it is fun to play, which is the most important thing because when you're repeating the loop... Excuse me, repeating the loop of playing the same kind of levels, even though, like I said, as they're procedurally generating, the, the actual layout of the levels is different, even though the graphics and everything are the same. Um, so that keeps you from feeling burnt out because they are slightly different every time. And like I said, the actual feeling that even though you're you're dying and you're being sent back to the, the start, even though there's a feeling of, okay, I've still made a little bit of progress there. I still was able to add a few more of those souls into getting a better sword or, or, or whatever it might be still kind of pushes you forward. So yeah, yeah I would say it is, um, it is a bit of fun and I am enjoying it. That's what I'm playing at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I guess, a bit of wrestling talk, right? I guess we can talk about a bit of wrestling. Now we've come to the point where we talk about wrestling. So let me bring up the old television reports. Uh, which is still a huge pain in the arse to do on uh, f4wonline.com. Thank you very much. Oh, dear. Uh, Dynamite, here we go. So I think this week we can go a little bit more in in depth on on what we thought about uh, Dynamite. I'm sure we'll have some nitpicks that we can uh, Mm. hit on. So the show... Uh, opened. I'm looking at the wrong one. This is the fucking previous week's one. Hang on. Hang on a damn second. I've been worked here by the damn website. Where is it? Is. Okay. Um, opened with Jericho and Daniel Garcia. I quite like the segment. I, I, I did it as well. Um, um, I think, you know, I saw people complaining about the whole uh, sports entertainment versus wrestler thing, which I do agree is a bit like bit silly and a bit overdone but as a kind of proxy just for 
you know, where, is he with Jericho as with he, or is he with Brian? I thought it was yeah. fine. Like I didn't mind it. If that's how they want to just encapsulate it, that's fine. I like the <laughs> the the struggle at the heart of it, which is you know, uh, him him Daniel Garcia deciding whose side is he on. Yeah, I like that. I mean, even in terms of within the sports entertainer and wrestler thing, which itself is kind of silly and redundant. Even mm. now in WWE, you have wrestlers like I think it was Drew McIntyre going, "I'm a wrestler," to, like for a pop. Because even within WWE, it's mm. known that that branding is is resented and hated. Stupid, yeah. Uh, your point about how it's how it's treated on AEW, I, th- I think one thing that makes it a little bit redundant now, the whole Jericho Appreciation Society thing, is now that Vince McMahon is out in WWE, yeah. a lot of those eccentricities that they parody are kind of not truly oh, so yeah. the case anymore. Some of them still are, but generally speaking. I like here, though, where sports entertainer and wrestler are are almost synonyms here for like heel or face, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do you want to be a jerk who's aligned with this jerk? Or do you want to be a wrestler, which, which has, you know, the way they talk about it has an element of like pride honor. in your work and honor. And yeah, exactly. So Fighting that seems man. to be what they're getting at with that, which I, which I can, I can, I enjoy. I think Garcia is, has really come on leaps and bounds as a promo, especially with his um, expressions, like him in the middle of this pull apart between, or this like tug of war between Jericho and Danielson. I can totally buy him by the way he presents himself and his his facial expressions Mm. and everything as a kind of conflicted young star burgeoning on superstardom and not quite sure what direction to take. I think he's kind of captured that really well. I think he's tremendous in how he presents it on TV. And one thing I like about Garcia, and I've I've been talking about this when I've been watching Dynamite recently, is one failing that WWE has had for the most part of the last 20 years is to have characters that truly feel like contemporary and Mm. modern, right? When you look back, we might have had this conversation already on this podcast, so I apologize if we did, but... When you look back, you know when we talk about the 90s wrestling, yeah. everyone will compare it with Jerry Springer yeah. and... Woodstock uh, 99. Woodstock 99, Simpsons, South Park, Beavis and Butthead, you know, celebrity Howard Stern, match. Celebrity Deathmatch. And wrestling matched up well with what was popular at that time. Mm. And so the characters were representative of that. Steve Austin was an out-of-control, in-your-face character. Yeah. which matched up well, right? What was pos- what was popular in the 1980s was Sylvester Stallone, Arnie, Arnold Schwarzenegger, big, muscly action stars reflected on TV. What in wrestling in the last 20 years has truly matched up well with what's popular in the real world? I'd say there's, in WWE, there's maybe a handful of wrestlers that feel actually modern. I'd say the New Day. I would say Roman Reigns since he turned heel. Street Profits and Bianca Belair, maybe? But I think, you know, even that is is kind of a, you're, you're getting into a bit of a. Question. Maybe the women like Sasha, Bailey, Becky. I would say Sasha more so. Yeah. But, but the, the, uh, that also plays into the fact that Sasha, outside of the character, has a lot of charisma and a lot of energy. Mm. 
But her character, speaking purely about the characters, her character, I, I agree. Um, AEW has a handful of those as well. A handful, especially the younger talent. I feel like yeah. they, have, they have some characters that feel really modern. I would throw Garcia in there. I'd throw Hook in there. Um, MJF? I would certainly throw MJF in there, even though MJF has elements of throwback to him. Yeah. He's old um, school, but he's new school, which is yeah. the best, really. And I would throw um, I would throw Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends in there. Um, yeah. They have characters, and, and this isn't an AEW versus WWE thing, but I, I think AEW, one thing they've done well is have characters that feel modern and feel contemporary and i think that's important that they focus on those uh, and daddy garcia the reason i bring it up is he i he i feel is one of them even though he continues to wear which i know you're not a fan of i'm a big fan of the triple h hat we didn't have it this week did he he did not have the hat this week and i was very disappointed that's why the segment was so good <laughs> <laughs> i yeah i don't know if he becomes a wrestler and and goes with that. i feel like where this is leading and obviously, we won't be um, podcasting again until after the pay per view. Yeah, uh, but I feel like where this is leading is that Garcia will stay with the Jericho group. Hmm. Um. I. I. Yeah. I don't think he's going to join BCC because they've already got enough feet. Then it's too many already. Yeah. I wonder if he maybe he does neither. Kind of goes his own way. And he's like, Possibly. A, yeah, lone lone wolf kind of thing. That'd be interesting. Um, yeah, it's funny because the Jericho Appreciation Society also feels like there are too many people in it at the moment. Since yeah. they brought in Sammy, Sammy and, and Tay and Anna Jay, yeah, yeah, it's flailing. They feel like the uh, was the NWO Japan. <laughs> They're like the other Jericho Appreciation Society. They forget already yeah. in the group. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think moving Garcia to BCC would hurt Yuta mostly, first mm. of all. Uh, so I don't see the logic in doing that. Um, and I don't know, I still really enjoy him as the kind of smarmy, again, aggressive, loudmouth, modern-feeling character. I'm totally into that. Um, and the fans, so, the fans so want him to join Danielson. So when he doesn't, I think you get a big reaction off that. So I'm, I'm totally uh, aligned. I like the idea of um, Daniels and Jericho at the pay-per-view as well. Uh, yeah, It should good. be a ladder match. It should be for the custody of uh, <laughs> Daniel Garcia. But... Uh, Where I like, I the think... fuck is Brie? Oh, where is she? <laughs> fuck. Uh, where's Jericho's wife? Oh, she's in the... the... <laughs> charging some more uh, American <laughs> landmarks. Um, but yeah, I, li- I like Jericho, especially based on his uh, match with um, Moxley, his Lionheart match. I think that kind of style, again, will match up well with Danielson's style, so that should be very good. Uh, and then Jake Hager appeared and attacked Danielson. <laughs> Let's get rid of Hager, please. Oh, I, I don't mind him as much. He, just as a goon. Just as a goon. As a goon. As a goon, sure, but like he's got no upward momentum. He's never gonna improve or reach to any. Another JR still always puts him over though. Like, oh, oh two, gra- two real blue chip wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, for, okay, r- great, one. great wrestler from the state of Oklahoma. I wonder why I keep uh, defending this shit son of a bitch. Mm. Uh, Jake Hager, 
uh, you might recall, Joe, won the WWE World Heavyweight title. I think on our sixth episode of this podcast. That's how fucking long ago it was. Mm. And he's never amounted to anything, and he never will. Never will. Um, I don't know about you, Joe, but not only was Princess Diana just a free spirit, but I don't know that we've seen enough Jay Lethal on AEW lately. Uh, um, when when will Jay Lethal get his his flowers? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> so he was on again this week in a match. Um, I think he's had more matches this month than some AW wrestlers have had all year. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Certainly MJF. Um, I thought the myself was, was, was pretty good, but like enough, enough Jay Lethal already. Give us a one week where you don't have Jay Lethal on TV. Um, and then one of the most bewildering things they've done in a while is, so this feud seemed to have been totally built around Wardlow will give Big Satnam a power bar. Mm. So they, they, the three of them attacked Wardlow. Wardlow went to give him the power bomb. Oh, they didn't quite get it. They beat him up to the. Okay, so so I'm thinking as we as we're leading to this match, what they're going to do is going to do a six man tag, FTR and Wardlow, the pinnacle against Jay Lethal and his his little band, right? His little group, and we're going to get the payoff at the pape. Wardlow will pick up Big Sanum, give him a big power bomb. Then we can fire him. We don't really need him anymore. His purpose will have been served. Um, and then and then they go. Well, no, actually, Jay Lethal's partners will be the Motor City Machine Guns, who are great. But why are we doing this now? How does that fit into the story? Is yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just cool. It's just cool, but we're telling you know, I, stories, brother. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is more. I'd rather have this than whatever story they would tell with with the Impact World. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the Impact World Order. Yeah. Oh, well, be you've been, you've been pushing that, and it's, maybe it's yeah, true. maybe my machine guns are part of that. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, this is what this to me is one time where Vince Russo would go. We're writing a television program, bro, and I would actually kind of agree with it. Mm. This seems to me like, oh, we can get the Motor City machine guns on. Let's just fucking do it at the expense of the story we've been telling for weeks. Anyway, uh, and also the Motor City machine guns should not be heels. That's a, that's a silly thing to be doing. Uh, Thunder Rosa backstage with Tony Schiavone, very emotional. Uh, she's injured and she has to uh, not relinquish the title. It seems like Tony Khan did another. Uh, you can stay the champ. We'll have, you know you get you when you're back. So we're, we're going to have an interim women's world champ. But yeah, apparently she's got a back injury. Did I read? Yeah, I didn't see what the injury was. But, um... Some kind of injury and she's, uh, she's like out. Inter- I don't like interim champions, but I guess. I don't mind them, but when you've had them so close together. Well, that's it. The punk thing has set precedent. So if they didn't do it for her, it would be like, oh, it's not fair. Yeah, why do you do it for one, not the other? But like... To announce an interim champion on the same show as we are uni- unifying an interim title with another one seemed a bit too UFC to me. A mm. bit too much like, okay, let's not have too many interim titles floating around. Um, and they announced Tony Storm, Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Hikaru Shida 
at the uh, at the pay per view. Uh, yeah. Colton, look forward to that. I I just well, I think we, let's do some predictions at the end, as we're not going to be here next week. Maybe we will. We will some, some predictions. Yeah, but save that for later. Uh, Colton Gunn and Billy Gunn. Yeah. Um. Not much to it. Only that Billy Gunn looks amazing for uh, fifty. He doesn't look any different, does he? From no, the attitude era. It's very weird. The gimmicks will do that to you, brother. Um, Mm. I don't think it's even how he looks, but he 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 doesn't move like an old man. No, he's still okay. He's not maybe as quick. He lost a step, but he's he's quick enough getting around. He he doesn't. um, He's not like uh, Impact Hulk Hogan coming out. Barely, like barely able to walk. Mm. He still seems to be in decent enough shape. Like, yeah. um, and anyway, so they were attacking Billy Gunn. Uh, the acclaim were beaten up, and then Swerve in our glory came out mm. for what feels like the third or fourth pay per view in a row, where the tag titles are just shit onto a match with like very little story. At least mm. that the tag champions have actually been involved in. Certainly when Jurassic Express were the champions, they were just tacked onto the Young Bucks against the Red Dragon feud mm. or the uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and uh, Ricky Starks and um, Swerve in Our Glory feud. And now it just seems like they just ran out here and then were like, oh, we'll give the acclaimed the tile shot to pay for you. But like they're not feuding with the acclaimed. You know, I feel like the dumpster match that they did recently, that should have been the pay-per-view match for the acclaimed and the gun club. Yeah, yeah, and they should have written sense. something for Swerve and Our Glory for them to feud for a team for them to feud with, and do that pay per view. I don't know. Seems a little bit like they they weren't quite thinking ahead with this one. Yeah. Um. What do we have? Britt Baker won a match. Was much to that. Uh, she had to make her made her return mm-hmm. to no crowd reaction whatsoever, which was very disappointing to see. I thought. It's a shame, but then when you're off TV... Shame, because so how good she was as champion. And she just comes out to dead silence. This is, this is the, the mobile overstuffed roster. Yeah. This is the... You know, people just don't get the TV time they need. I think Tony's going to have to do something about that. Yeah. Uh, well, let's... have an, Here's an idea. Stop having the Hollywood hunk be on Rampage. And pretty Peter Avalon be on Rampage, and the reality Zach Clayton being on Rampage, and just have your wrestlers be on those shows and not the geeks. Mm. Um, and then we had the world title match. Weirdly, so that made me think, oh, we must be doing the 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 hour because this is like at the top of the hour. They, we must be doing a sixty minute draw. Oh, really? Well, I didn't expect them to be doing a sixty second win. Oh really? No, 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 no. I thought it would be like a twenty-minute, like a proper match, fifteen-minute match. But but, but I thought that if they're going to do a twenty-minute match, it would either open or close. It was so weird that they were doing it well, in the middle of the show. Yeah, but I, I, I could, I'm not sure what if I had, it could even reason that out. But I thought maybe it was just the top of the hour. That's I guess why. Yeah, because it was going to be uh, some kind of screwy finish that that. They didn't want to have it at the end of the show, or they didn't want to have it at the beginning to annoy people. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know that was going to be the finish. I I thought Mox would win through interference or some kind of something like that. That was my I was prediction. Fully expecting 
that there was going to be some kind of angle mm. um, to do this match a week and a half before one of your four pay-per-views. I thought, okay, we're, we must have some angle that's going to happen. I wasn't necessarily getting my hopes pinned on like an MJF return, but something will happen mm. that will take us into the uh, the pay-per-view. And generally speaking, wrestling shows should typically end on some kind of angle to make you think, well, I really want to tune in next week uh, and not have it be uh, Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega doing their little lover's tiff off Twitter. That That's not a good uh, show-closing angle for me, brother. Um, so what happened was they, they did a collar-elbow tie-up, which Jim Ross fucking loved. Yeah, by God. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, shut up, Excalibur. Did you, did you see that color? No, <laughs> Fucking hell. Fucking hell. Yeah. That's how you know someone's a real man. Elbow collar tab right there. And a good, a good pin, a good cover, good lateral press. Yeah. Punk went for a, a spin kick, hurt his foot. Moxie hit him with the old uh, elbows and then two Death Riders mm. for the win. Which Jim Ross also loved. He fucking kicked CM Punk's ass. Fucking beat a man's ass. It's great. And uh, that was it. It was, uh, uh, it was very interesting. I, I must say, there's there's stuff about it uh, that I loved. And there's stuff about it that I hated. But I think we'll really only know in retrospect once mm. we see where, where this ultimately goes. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind it. Um, I think... I have to say at this point, I think people are starting to lose their minds a little bit when it comes to all the gossip, AEW gossip and everything. <laughs> we'll we'll like, get to that later on. The, 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 the stuff on Twitter you see is just fucking insane. People think everything's a shoot, everything's a work, everything's a work shoot. Like it, just because just cause a bunch of like morons with Twitter accounts tweet things that aren't true at all, and suddenly it becomes, you know, gospel like the dynamite going to one hour thing which was literally just someone just made it up and tweeted it i didn't even see that until oh. i think the first thing i saw was someone debunking it yeah it was literally someone going oh i wouldn't be surprised if they uh, ripped dynamite to one hour there was it was nothing it was nothing it was just shit but people are really i think it started with i think it actually really started with the cody thing um with cody leaving and right. then with the MJF thing, and then with Punk coming in, and all these, there's just been this kind of slight upheaval, and a lot of things going on backstage, and not as happy clappy as it was in the first couple of or two three years, and that's just melted some people's brains. Because um, to me, this this getting back to the match, all of this makes sense. You know, Punk comes back from injury. The story is he came back too soon, re-injured himself lost to Moxley and now he's going to have to avenge that at all out to me that's a very like simple wrestling story there's nothing kind of but people so people saying like oh I wouldn't be surprised if we never see Punk again what so 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 yeah what? so Punk so Punk would have come in and do, done the favours in a yeah. minute if he was hell bent on leaving I don't yeah the same Punk that walked out of fucking WWE because he could be bothered had a baseball on his ass or whatever yeah <laughs> I mean, I I I feel like from a a viewer perspective, 
either the story has to go, and to your point, it's a simple story, but either the story has to go somewhere very interesting, or you kind of have to give us more of a match here. Because you still could have done the, he came back too early, hurt his foot, after five minutes of a match. I don't know, here I didn't feel like I got a lot of juice. Um, It felt like a a, a slight retreading of the uh, Cody Brody Lee match where Brody mm. beat him really easily. But um like I also don't know in the context of the story whether them going again a week and a half later makes sense from a punk wasn't ready and then he comes back to get event. Like it's mm. it's a week later, you know. I wonder if they do have one eye on that the pay per is in Chicago and Punk going for the title in Chicago rather than defending it. Yeah. I don't know. And that might be the the time to do some kind of angle, but um, yeah, I don't know. There's just a an element about it that I felt like coming out of it that it should have been a bigger deal than I think it ultimately mm. felt to me. Um, not by the fact that they didn't close with it, mm. they didn't open with it. It was just stuffed in the middle. Uh, weirdly felt apropos of CM Punk's uh, long WWE run. Um where he never made events that he often was in the middle somewhere defending his title. Um, I like the result. I think Moxley for everything he did during the pandemic is, uh, and during CM Punk's injury is definitely uh, deserving of it. And one thing I see a lot lately online as well is people uh, actually, John Moxley is not very good. John Moxley is one of these CZW garbage wrestlers who can't cut a promo and can't wrestle. Uh, I don't see it myself, and I think that we're pretty uh, we're pretty objective on here. We're pretty fair with uh, mm. who we like, who we don't like. I think that John Moxley, I'll go, I'll go on record with this. I think he's a very good wrestler, and I think he's a very good pro. I think even if so, sometimes in the early days his promos were a little bit rambly, I think lately he's been very good, and I like his intensity and I like his character. And he's kind of the only guy on the roster who has that package, and I, I appreciate mm. when people are different from everyone else. But he's not as good as Roman Reigns, though. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. He's that's, different. That's, that's what matters. That's what you like. Mm. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Bit, you know, for me, a little bit of a mixed bag. Mm. But let's see. I mean, like I said, if where this goes, and apparently we're going to hear from Moxie on Dynamite. If where this goes is, is ultimately... Uh, very interesting, and obviously it was like a shocking result, but it was shocking in the way of like a, a jump scare in a movie. It's like mm. shocking, but I don't know in the long term if it's very satisfying. You know, mm. So let's see. I mean, I don't want to cast judgment on it right now, but let's see. Given the benefit of the doubt. Let's see. Uh, speaking of good promos, Ricky Starks was out, getting very emotional. Mm. I thought that was very good. Um... Although I feel like he's kind of suffering from the same thing as Wardlow is you want someone to kind of one of these these upper mid card guys to like break out. And mm. what they immediately do is they kind of drag him back down. So Wardlow, off the back of this great feud with MJF, is is feuding with uh, Ward with uh, Jay Lethal and his goons. Mm. And before that was feuding with Mark Sterling and like security, whatever the fuck that was. And now you have Ricky Starks and like feuding with Powerhouse Hobbs as he should. But the the factory getting involved, like the mm-hmm. Geek Squad. Um, I'm not sure about that, but I'm looking forward to their, their match at a, at all out. 
think it's and the main that goes back just to what we were saying a while yeah. ago about how there's a lack of hierarchy yes. in, in AEW and how everyone I don't I think it's less so now that you've got like punk and mox on top because they do feel real like main events. They're obviously the main guys. They are the main guys, but below that it is a lot of the kind of you know, Ricky Starks is on the same level of Wardlow and the same level of Jericho. And Bro- you know, it, it does feel like everyone's on the same level. And really, yeah, you do want someone like Ricky Starks to just turn around and stop beating a lot of solid sort of mid-card guys and be at that top level. But they just, I don't think they, they want to have him beat those people because those no. people are also getting a push. Yeah. You know, you need to pick th- four people to be at the top, four to be in below that. And then, sorry, everyone else. It doesn't matter how much you complain on Twitter you're not going to get on TV. You know, if you, you, want to, you if you want more TV time, get over more, you know? You almost need to have a tier maker list, S tier, A, B, C, D, E. And the people in C tier beat the people in D tier and, you know, so on. That you that you have that. I think you're absolutely on the mm-hmm. ball with that. Uh, and the main event was the uh, the Trios tournament. Uh, United Empire against Death Triangle. Very surprised with the result here. Mm, um, mm. not so much that they they went in the direction of the uh, the Omega Osprey thing, which I have no interest in, in in their little tiff. And when he came out at the end, ooh, ooh, Osprey, you little fucker! Like I don't care about what they think about each other on Twitter and yeah. what's real and what's not. That isn't one where I, the the possibility that it's real fucking gives me a boner. That makes no difference to me because I think they they're the way they come off in their online exchanges is just really petty and really annoying on yeah. both sides. I don't think well, Omega comes off super cool. Mm. No, they both come off as as annoying and and lame. So when I saw that that manifests itself on TV, I was a little bit disappointed. Um, not as disappointed as I was when Kip Sabin made his oh, return to uh, television. Uh, we're not listening when I said release that. <laughs> Um, when you're when you're expecting MJF and you get Kip Sabian, <sighs> dear, dear. yeah. When, when we talked about you know that the show should end with a big angle, yeah, Kip Sabian returning. Oh, and the the, ma- the fellow with his box on his head was someone else. With the, oh no, why didn't that fella just like walk off? Why why did he continue standing there? Yeah, was he tied to the chair? No, uh, who knows? Why so didn't guess- Kip Sabian? Just get one of his buddies to dress in the. Why do you have to kidnap someone to do it? I, I don't. don't know. It was. Sense. It was. It was. Kip Sapien. <laughs> Fucking sucks. And by the way, I think we talked about this last week, where Excalibur was was just saying like, "That's Kip Sapien under the box, and he's got his eye on Pack and his belt." It's like, was that ever established? Did they ever mention that? Yeah. I mean, that was them establishing it. I guess it was Excalibur telling us that fell under the box. That's Kip Sapien, even though. That was never hinted at or shown anywhere. Mm. And he's got his eye on Pac's belt. Does he? Did he ever say that to somebody? Uh, mm. So he came out. He 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 attacked Pac, by God, while the referee just was looking the other way, scratching their hole. And, uh, you know, then United Empire won. Anyway. And, yeah, the surprise was that Death Triangle, who have been basically the, the most prominent trios team on AEW for the last couple of years, Get knocked out in the first round. That was a bit a bit annoying. Uh, and Joe, did I watch Rampage this week? I actually did watch Rampage oh. this week. Hello. Uh, was it any good? 
It's all right, I guess. It's okay. What, what happened? Have you got the TV? Yeah. Did you watch Rampage this week? Yeah, yeah. Always, 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 always. always. Okay. Uh, Dark Order <coughs> went up against House of Black uh, in, in one of the worst managed interference costs one team the match that I've ever seen. So Dark Order, which is uh, Silver and Reynolds and uh, Preston Vance, are against House of Black, and we're getting we're getting in the home stretch here. They're rocking and rolling, uh, and then Miro's music plays, right? And you think they're going to do the WWE uh, music into the the roll up distraction gimmick, right? Except what happens is the the House of Black wrestlers run up to Miro. And he like attacks two of them. No disqualification or anything. He just he gives uh, Buddy Matthews a big old backdrop, and he gives Brody Lee a, a punch in the face or a kick or whatever, and that leads to the uh, the distraction finish in the ring, uh, the roll up. But like, what was the ref doing when music was blaring and a huge Bulgarian man was coming down and fighting participants in the match? Any reason that wasn't disqualification or, or anything? Um, why couldn't the he have come out? The two of them go running up to him, and while that's happening, he gets rolled up one, two, three, and then Miro in the post match can attack them. How about that? Makes sense Th- that way you're not messing. That's I know it's a nitpick, but that way you're not messing mm. with the uh, integrity of the fucking rules of wrestling. Uh, and then they start beating up Miro, gives him the old black mass, uh, spinny, kicky do machine. Mm. And then Sting and Darby come out, fucking forgot they were even in the company, forgot Sting was feuding with Malachi Black. Uh, apparently that was a thing. Remember when they looked at each other on the stage that one time? Four weeks ago, it feels like. Uh, so yeah, I know. Uh, as cool as Miro, Sting and Darby versus the House of Black sounds, this could definitely have been built uh, a bit more cohesively. Hmm. Uh, certainly since they did this the Darby Brody uh, coffin match like the build to that was good and I just feel like since that we haven't heard much in the way of these people still feuding uh, yeah so that kind of um, Wardlow beat the Hollywood hunk for the title shock horror and Powerhouse Hobbs defeated a jabron and then the fucking factory were beating up Ricky Starks backstage. Ricky Starks should be beating all of them up on his own. <laughs> With a cigar on as well. Yeah, he, sh- he should be he, in a towel, fucking kicking their ass, all of them. Yeah. Because, you know, we always do the comparison. Well, what would Stone Cold see? Well, if Ricky Starks going to do The Rock, The Rock would be snorting, spitting, Hitting, kicking, punching one of them into a river, kicking the other one square in the ass out the door. There'd be none of this there beating up the rock. The job squad <laughs> is kicking the rock's ass. No, he wouldn't be having it. You no, say I'm not. No. And this is we're not even talking about 2000 rock. I'm talking about early 98 rock. Yeah, he wouldn't be having it. He'd be beating them up. So this was silly. Yeah. Uh, Jade kicked your one with the big forehead out of the baddies. Oh yeah, she had enough for. Um, Where's Red, it, Red, Red Velvet? She hasn't been around for I don't know. She, she injured or something. Mm. And um, they announced her and Athena at the pay-per-view, which I think was obvious that that was the direction we're going in. Uh, and then we had Sammy and 
uh, Tay Mello against Ortiz and Ruby Soho, and fucking Sammy and Tay won. Oh, I hate them so much. Just <sighs> no interest in them. Remember when Ortiz had hair, and then he had a hair versus hair match with Chris mm. Jericho for no real reason, and then he lost. Mm. And then they brought in, remember they brought in Ruby Soho, and she mm. was this hot new wrestler. unknown. And then she just lost every match she's had and just continues to lose. Mm. Why didn't I they mean, just put the belt on her? That would have been way better than Thunder Rosa. I know. Tony Storm as well. Yeah. yeah. And then the main event, which I actually really enjoyed. Claudio Castagnoli defeated Dustin Rhodes with Aaron Anderson and his... Uh, his son, his little chunky son, mm. to def- to retain the Ring of Honor World title, and I I, mm. I I quite enjoyed that. Although, I'll take a star away because Dustin did not do a Canadian Destroyer. He didn't. No, it was yeah, good match, good match. I don't like them referring to the Ring of Honor title as a world title. Though. It's not. <laughs> you're, you're not convinced. Come on, it's bollocks. <laughs> I think at one point, I think it was JR said at one point, you know, it's a world title as recognized by that organization. <laughs> no, yeah, he yes. did, yeah, Barry. Yes, JR, about. you're right, you're right. It's not yeah. a real world title, it's it's a fucking geek belt. Yeah, it's an indie geek belt. Throw it in the bin. I think there has been a less of an emphasis on Ring of Honor, thankfully, these last few weeks, apart from the, the world sure. title belt. Which yeah. is which is blessed. I think that was part of the problem as well. Of the summer, you had Forbidden Door, which was a bit of a mess, even yeah, though the show was good. Honor. And then the whole yeah. Ring of Honor stuff, too many wrestlers, injury. It's, it's been a nightmare summer, a cruel summer, some might yeah, say, for, for AEW. But I look forward to the four being, uh, being better. Yeah. We talked about Thunder Rosa already. We didn't talk about Eddie Kingston, and he's he's been suspended for the last couple of weeks, apparently. Because yep. Sammy Guevara said... He's fat. He's a fat son, bitch. Um, and Eddie Kingston didn't like that, and so he, uh, he, the words were heard, and hands were put on faces. Yeah, yeah. And so he got suspended. I feel like a lot of wrestling's woes would be solved, Joe, by a little communication. Yeah, and I think this is this is the kind of side effect of letting people go out and do promos with total agency over what they say. I, like many, love what we've gotten with AW, where they get given the bullet points, they go out and hit those. Mm-hmm. But lately, and, and this is this this is you know the case with the Sammy Sammy saying this, which apparently we didn't even see, but it was also when I, I was saying last week the CM Punk Moxie thing where CM Punk was you know, it, it semi worked in the context of story where CM Punk wasn't taking Moxie seriously; he was doing Snow Angels. Mm. But I thought that that was a bit silly for how intense mm. I wanted that that promo to be. Uh, and obviously, the Hangman stuff from that same week. Um, I don't think we necessarily need script promos for anybody, but to avoid cases like the Sammy Guevara thing, should the wrestlers not just fucking meet up in advance and be like? What are you going to say so I know how to react to it? What are we going to say? Is there anything you don't want me to say? Because Sammy said something like, was it Sammy who made the statement? Or, or I think it might have been. Where he said, like, oh, I, I usually always 
the guys tell me if there's something I shouldn't say and Eddie didn't ever say it to me. Well, maybe fucking you go ask him if he never said it to you. You know? Yeah, like, I would, if you're going to cut a promo on someone and get a bit personal, I assume you would get permission first. Like when, like Christian isn't going out there and talking about Jungle Boy's dead dad. Without you know, him knowing, without about, him knowing yeah. about it, is he? Like you, you need that kind of mutual respect between yeah. two performers. And I assume even with Punk, like I know him and Kingston, maybe there's real, you know, dislike there or whatever. But I'm sure when they did their little feud, it was kind of accepted that, look, just say whatever you want, like it's fine. Or, or there's, you know, a limit. I, but- I, I would be entirely sure there was some level of prearrangement of either I'm going to say these things or we agree that there's nothing off limits, you know? Yeah. I, I, I would be surprised if there were legitimately stuff they were hearing for the first time in the ring on camera. Because mm. to me, that's a mad way to do it. <laughs> you know, it might result sometimes in better TV. Well, I think you ha- you you need to have some kind of some level of um, mm. of collaboration, some level of okay, we're we're actually on the same page here, because ultimately the wrestlers all have the same goal, right? They want to make money and they want to get fans in the seats and get fans interested in the storylines. But when you have people in a business that is about working, to use an insider fucking term, I'm shooting here, brothers. But when, yeah, when you have a, a a business that's built around fakeness, for for want of a better word, that the wrestlers themselves are taking at face value, mm. you know, then there's then there's a little bit of a problem. Um. So yeah, I I would think uh, from Tony Khan's point of view, maybe just re reinforce with the wrestlers if you got to say something. Uh, just you know, run it by each other, and. Don't be getting worked into a shoot, brothers. This is, yeah, and this is why you have the producers as well, the road agents. Yeah, because it's it's them. They produce each segment. They should speak to both wrestlers and make sure that everyone's on the same page. Yeah. Merp. The amount of people getting getting uh, angry about stuff that's happening on camera is is too much. Mm. Too too much. Anyway, I think that is all we have to cover this week. And this will be all you'll hear from us for at least two weeks. Remember when Kevin Nash got upset because The Rock called him Big Daddy Bitch? Uh, and remember Kevin Nash got upset because uh, Smojo said that Skahal was a, a, a an unreliable drunk, which was correct. Which he is, and everyone knows. So, yeah. Yeah, good. We're back. We're back. It's old school. Back in the old days. <laughs> Kevin Nash getting upset by uh, every promo he's heard. Yeah, drink a bottle of Pinot. <laughs> so so that was a wrestling. Um that was that was AEW. I said I've been watching WWE. People keep saying, Oh, it's good now. It's not. It's rubbish still. Even if it was legitimately good, I don't have the time to watch it. No. I know the time. Too much. Uh, although I, I I will not lie and say it has it, it has crossed my mind uh come the weekend. Would I be better off watching SmackDown than Rampage? Um, Rampage is half the length. <laughs> and that's what keeps me on that side of the line. And there's a chance of seeing like Hook or something. I know. Oh, that Hook. We didn't talk about that Hook segment on Rampage where Hook was interviewed, walked two steps off camera, and the 2.0 boys were there. 
Hook, yeah. let me at him, let me at him. <laughs> and I was totally, because of the way it was shot, I was totally expecting Hook to just like walk back into frame mm. and, and, you know, front up to them and say, well, you want a shot? You got it. But, uh, he just never came back. But he was just, he was just there. He, he was still in earshot when they were doing the promo. It was mm. a little bit silly. But anyway, I think we'll leave it there, Joe, if you want to outro us and take us home. Right. Let's go. Let's go. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Cheshire Podcast. We will be back, eh, not next week, probably the week, maybe the week after, or the week after that, to be honest. We're going to take a little bit of time off. I'll pause on holiday while Barry's uh, settling into his new house, but we will be back uh, in September. We'll be back in September. Yeah. Uh, reviewing. We didn't get. Worst case scenario, out. we'll do some kind of. Um, pay-per-view review we will talk about we'll all out so. and, the, and the fallout the fallout of all out will be coming Ooh, in september on the Show, exclusively on the Show podcast <laughs> um so yeah so for for that and for this week and for the next couple of weeks it's uh, a goodbye from me townie and yeah. goodbye from my co-host mr paul griffin thank you and if you do shit yourself in gold disc please don't stand there looking at the blu-rays Take yourself to the nearest toilet. Clean yourself up. That's my lesson for the day. (laughs) Goodbye.